0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Being able to broaden our perspectives will require us to look at both the privilege in ourselves and societal systems. Welcome neighbors to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. Today I wanted to talk about an extremely important topic and honestly I wasn't sure how to approach it in just one episode but I'm doing it anyway and is the discussion of equity, power and privilege. In order to broaden our perspective, which is this month's topic, we have to begin to analyze the individual systemic and structural systems in place in our society that give power to some groups or individuals and not others. I will start by saying that I am not the expert resource for learning about this. I kind of quote and pull a lot from many educational resources that are out there that can help you to understand the full breadth of these issues. And I'm going to link those in the episode show notes for you to reference. But if you hadn't have heard them here, you might not have heard them ever. So that's why I wanted to bring them to you today. And remember that I am learning about many of these topics along with you, and I feel like not talking about it at all would be amiss. So I think the point of this episode is really to just use my position as a podcast host with many unearned advantages to begin to spread the spark or curiosity to those who may not have done so already to look at the unearned advantages or privileges or even disadvantages that we all have so that we can begin to weaken the systems that uphold them. To change these systems, we have to be able to see them and understand them and then take action to change them. Another disclaimer, this isn't to blame, shame, or guilt anyone or even preach about the right thing to do or say. I'll give some definitions and pose some questions and thought exercises that you could use that might help you get started thinking about this super complex topic and kind of let you take it from there. The first place I'm going to start is giving a few definitions, but just keep in mind that getting really stuck in the definition itself can prevent us from thinking critically about them. So take all of these definitions and everything cited here and said here and question it. So the first term is a term that I've used already, and that is unearned advantage. This term was drawn from the work of Peggy McIntosh, who is an American feminist, anti-racist activist, scholar, speaker, and senior research scientist of the Wellesley Centers for Women. And she's author of the famous piece, White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack, which is her reflection and observations on systemic and personal privileges. In that piece, Peggy says that the unearned advantage is an exemption from discrimination. So having privilege is the often subconscious upside to not being oppressed or discriminated against because of membership to an identity group. Vanderbilt University explains privilege a little bit further, saying privilege operates on personal, interpersonal, cultural, and institutional levels and gives advantages, favors, and benefits to members of dominant groups at the expense of members of target groups. In the United States, privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identity groups which are white people, non-disabled people, heterosexuals, males, Christians, middle or owning class people, middle-aged people, and English-speaking people. Privilege is characteristically invisible to people who have it. People in dominant groups often believe that they have earned the privileges that they enjoy or that everyone could have access to these privileges if only they worked to earn them. In fact, privileges are unearned, and they are granted to people in the dominant groups whether they want those privileges or not, and regardless of their stated intent. Unlike targets of oppression, people in dominant groups are frequently unaware that they are members of the dominant group due to the privilege of being able to see themselves as persons rather than stereotypes. That was a mouthful, and I hope that y'all got all that and didn't take it too personally. The thing is, is that being able to broaden our perspectives will require us to look at both the privilege in ourselves and societal systems. Something they mention in that definition is dominant groups, also known as agents and targets. The online master of social work program at the University of Southern California defines them this way. An agent is a member of a dominant social group privileged by birth or acquisition who knowingly or unknowingly exploits and reaps unfair advantages over members of the target groups, And a target is a member of a social identity group who are discriminated against, marginalized, disenfranchised, oppressed, or exploited by an oppressor, an oppressor's systems of institutions without identity apart from the target group and compartmentalized in defined roles. Then that begs the question of, well, what is oppression? Oppression. To which the USC social work program says the key features of oppression are one, the agent group has the power to define and name reality and determine what is normal, real and correct. Number two, differential and unequal treatment is institutionalized and systematic Three, psychological colonization of the target group occurs through socializing the oppressed to internalize their oppressed condition. And number four, the target group's culture, language, and history is misrepresented, discounted, eradicated, and the dominant group culture is imposed. And I'm sure you have seen in the news in the past couple of years, a lot of these issues coming to light. These four levels of oppression or isms happen at and are reinforced at all levels. The four levels are individual, interpersonal, institutional, and societal or cultural. At the individual level, oppression could look like our feelings, beliefs, and values. At the interpersonal level, that could be our actions, behaviors, and language. Institutionally, that is our rules, policies, and procedures. Think about our legal system, education system, public policy, hiring practices, and the images you see in the media. And finally, the societal cultural oppression can look like collective ideas about what is quote unquote right, such as beauty and truth. It is important to consider the identities that we relate to that shape our experience and perspective of the world. So let's reflect on that for a moment. Think about your name first. What does it mean to you? Who gave it to you? Where did it come from in your family or culturally? What identity groups do you relate to the most? So think about your gender, race, ethnicity, ability status, sexual orientation, education level, religion, age, socioeconomic class, language, nationality or any other groups or identities you feel tied to. Can you reflect on ways you may be the agent or the target of oppression due to your identity? What about factors at an institutional or cultural level? For example, my name is Lena, and my privilege stems from being white, cisgendered with a master's education, no disabilities, resources to food, access to health care, and familial support. On the flip side, identifying as a woman puts me in a target group for oppression. I haven't been immune to life's hardships, but I also have unearned advantages that have put me above the rest of society just because of how I was born and the resources afforded me because of my identity. And once I sit and think on it, I can go into a lot of examples of how I could be the agent or target of oppression due to my identity. But I want you to take a few minutes to reflect on your identity by pausing the podcast and returning when you're ready. So our personal beliefs and actions, whether subconscious or not, can perpetuate oppression, But what about systemically? Dominant groups in power have put institutional and structural policies into place that perpetuate these systems of unearned advantage. Institutional oppression comes from policies and practices, and structural oppression deals with how those institutional effects interact and accumulate across institutions and history. That is systemic. The wildly held belief in the American dream and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is an example of the myth of meritocracy. If we work hard, be good people, and have the right attitude, we can succeed as individuals regardless of our identity groups and institutions. But believing that we can achieve on merit alone has led to many people overlooking their privilege and not understanding that not only are they at an advantage, but others are at a disadvantage. And even further, that our systems prevent upward mobility equitably across all groups. Think about how you, your parents, or others in their lives got to where they are today and what systems and identities may have led to that. Research by Loriz Ann Alvarado says the best way we can enact change is to realize our full potential as initiators and participants in institutional change efforts. Once we can reflect and make change within ourselves, the next step is to make an effort to change our surrounding communities. Similarly, work by Peggy McIntosh says that we can use our privilege for change by brainstorming how to use our unearned advantages to share power and create equity among society and our institutions. This could be through speaking up, intervening when we see that something isn't right, becoming an ally, volunteering, organizing your groups towards a goal using your resources such as your time, money, education, or connections to help others and more. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is really just to get you to observe, reflect, and think with a broader perspective. If you choose to discuss this subject further, which I hope you do, Here are a few tips from a social worker on Global Citizen that may help you discuss privilege with others or even dig deeper within yourself. The first is to lead with empathy. Like we talked about last week, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes or emotions, maybe asking them how they are not privileged first so they don't feel attacked or defensive, and then following up with ways that they think they might be privileged. Remember that leading with empathy allows us to be more open-minded and increases our chances of problem-solving. Number two, understand that privilege is relative. Just because we don't have certain privileges doesn't mean we don't benefit from other privileges. Our identities are nuanced and intersectional. Once we realize all of our identities are multi-level, it makes it easier to work together for a more equitable world. Number three, remember that systematic injustice is good for no one. This is a full quote from the Global Citizen article. Systemic privilege hurts everyone. Consider white privilege. For instance... In the U.S., white privilege is a construction created by rich Europeans who wanted to combine their wealth by pitting poor Europeans against indigenous and African peoples working as slaves. Poor white people were made to feel that they were superior to other races and were given small privileges over people of color to create a diversion. What this meant was that poor white individuals got to be superior to blacks, but were still not on equal footing with wealthy whites. Ultimately, these privileges don't create advantage for the vast majority of the population, and subsequently, this division creates unfairness, and that's bad. Similarly, men have social and economic privileges over women, This is created from a deep-rooted patriarchy that prioritizes men over women. Male privilege isn't helping anyone ultimately, though. It doesn't help families where mothers make less than male partners, and it doesn't benefit women in helping to advance the fields of science, math, technology, journalism, finance, and engineering. We all lose when people are treated unfairly and not on the merit of their person. Ultimately, in order to move from a space of marginalization, people need to confront their privileges and recognize that inequality helps no one. I really love that because I feel like that it puts us in the perspective that we're all here to make lives better. Number four, don't take it too personally. I know this is really hard for a lot of people, myself included, when I first started hearing about my own privilege. When discussing privilege, you don't need to feel guilty or defensive. One of the things I've stated since the beginning of this show was to give yourself grace. As I mentioned, a lot of systems perpetuated these inequalities, many of which happened long before you were even born. It doesn't help us or the world to feel guilty. Instead, we can lead with empathy and compassion, and then more importantly, follow with action. We can use our privilege for good and work together to share power. And number five, consider ways to equalize power. You're already doing this by reflecting on the questions in this episode, Continue to dig deeper and ask more questions. What can you do to stop the cycle? How can you take an active role in your organizations to stop the cycle? Start to broaden your perspective using the tips from last week's episode, which will help you to understand others better so we can work together for a better world. For this week's Something to Grow On, I just want to challenge you to continue this conversation with at least one friend or family member, pose to them some of the questions I asked you today, and maybe just outline what your identities are and see how their experiences and identities may look different from yours. Brainstorm ideas for ways to enact change in your own life or organization, Then next week, maybe pick another friend or family member and get their experience. The more we learn about our friends and neighbors on hometown Earth, the more we will be able to support one another and the sustainable planet we all hope to see one day. I know that this is a hard topic I've been meaning to hold myself accountable for learning more about, and I hope you choose to do the same. My inbox is always open if you want to chat. And don't forget, I've added some resources on my website for you to look at and grow further. Until next time, thanks for joining me, neighbor. Change needs to happen so let's get started right here at hometown earth thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube